Greetings and a blessing to each one of you here today. Um, I changed gears really quickly here in the last couple of days. I had something else that I was planning to be talking on today, but um, my dad was at a, at a program, a school program, that really kind of inspired me, and I thought, well, this is, this is really actually a, a, a neat thing to think about. And so we're going to make a wild dash through the, um, through the Bible, starting in Genesis, and I would almost think that um, I thought about ending up in Revelations. It would have been appropriate to end up there, but I'm, I didn't quite make it there, and I don't think that I'm going to have time to, to go there. But we're going to, the, the message, or the title of the message could be The Water of Life. And the text is going to be taken out of John 4, verses 5 to 14 or so. But it's going to be a while before I get there, so uh, don't hold your breath because you might be gasping before long. Um, in Genesis 1, we're going to be reading, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So... I don't know how many of you guys have experienced true darkness, and when you look at it, you, you see darkness, and then you see water. Probably one of the most depressing things. I mean, when you see, when you think about it being completely dark, and then all you can hear and see and feel is water. I, I don't know. It just doesn't do a whole lot for me. I, I, I just don't see it as being a beautiful place at that time. And then I'm going to skip to verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. So water is a pretty essential part of, of our livelihood. It's a pretty essential part of living, period. Um, how many days do you think you could live without water? Four days? It'll, I think there would be a lot of variables that, you could, that could come into play. I think you could probably live without water for a, a week, maybe. Um, depending, you know, if you wouldn't be doing anything... You know, maybe you wouldn't be in direct sunlight. Um, but even then, it'd, it'd be torture to live without water. Because believe it or not, um, we're made, a high percentage of ourselves are made out of water. What, what percentage do you think that, that you are of water? 95. 95? Okay. Uh, what did you think, Taylor? 90. It's actually 65%. Um, which, let me see, which one of, let's, let's take Chase, for example. Ah, no, let's take me because it's easier to divide by even hundreds. Let's say this, this fat boy here weighs 200 pounds. And so I'd, I'd get put into a dehydrator. And by the time that I'm all done getting dehydrated and the water all squeezed out of me, I'd probably be down to about uh, 70 pounds. Let me see. It'd be 35. Yeah, it'd be about 70 pounds is what it'd be squeezed down to. That'd be a lot more. Well, I don't think I'd want to be down to 70 pounds either. But no, we are made out of a large amount of water. 
Um, one of Linda's favorite animals are the chickens, 75% water. I can understand why they act like they do now. Um, a a uh, potato is 80% water. The, um, a tomato is 90% water. And a watermelon is approximately 93%. There's also a lot of variables that come into that. But it is interesting that that we depend so much on water. And when, when God made the world, he didn't just put a small amount of water in there. Today, um, in the world, there's 8 billion people. That's a lot of people. And now all of us, if all of us would be as wasteful as we are today here in America, they say that an average American uses 70 gallons of water per person. That's a lot of water. 70 gallons of water. And if you take that times 8 billion, that's 560 billion gallons of water per day. I think we're going to run out of water just really shortly, right? Well, I've got news for you. It's not going to be a lack of water because God in the beginning... And, and, and there's a lot of other things that come into play, too, because there's, there's trees that are taking water, there's animals that are taking water, there's everything that we do depends on water. But if, if we look at it, according to statistics, and there again, I'm, you know, if you say it often enough, you listen to the same lie often enough, it becomes truth, right? Uh, it's not quite the way it is. But I did look at it uh, from a couple of different um, sources, and I was wondering, is this really the truth? Is this really accurate? But God, in his infinite wisdom, created um, enough water to, to last forever and ever and ever. Because the interesting thing about it is, is that we cannot get rid of water. It doesn't matter how much you drink, how much that you flush down the toilet, how much you cook how much you do, whatever you do, if you pour it out across the ground, you've still got the same amount of water that you had before. You cannot get rid of water. Um, you can't produce more water. It's, it's not gonna happen. It's, it's really interesting. Um, there's people today that, that believe that they can get it to rain. Uh, let me see, what is the word that they use for it? Does anybody know? It's, it's called cloud seeding. Um, I, don't even ask me to explain it. It's, it um, and people say, you know, there's varying opinions on that, you know, that they have put this stuff into the air and got it to the clouds to drop water. And it seems to be varying success, and there doesn't seem to be any data to actually show that there's, it's accurate. But um, be that as it may, there's 97% of our water is in our oceans. 2% is in the ground, and 1% is up in the, in the atmosphere. And there's, um, in the ocean alone, there's 300 and, 326, I better get this number right, 326 million cubic miles. So what is one cubic mile? What, can any of the children tell me, what does is, what is one cubic mile look like? 
How about our young adults? Yes. Yes. So it's right. So it's a mile deep, a mile wide. It's it's a mile, 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 um, all the way around. And so I was doing a little more research on how many how many gallons of water would be in one cubic mile. And so there, it came out to like 1.1 trillion gallons or something like that. So we're not even getting close to consuming one, one cubic mile of water per day. And God has created 336 million cubic miles of this. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, but it, it's, it plays a really, really important part of our life. And then, then I want to I take it into more of a, a spiritual... Um, channel it into more of a spiritual thought pattern here. So we are going to switch over, you know, to a few thoughts. So what does water do for us? And, and I find water relaxing. If there's, if there's, you know, if the cares of the world come pressing around me, there's nowhere that I would like to do, go more than just to go down to the river, you know, sit out under a shade tree, um, you know, with my fishing pole in the water. If I catch any fish, it's kind of immaterial. I mean, it's just that it's a peaceful feel. Um, the ocean, it, it's mesmerizing to me. Somehow it just feels, it feels so relaxing and at peace. And, and in Psalms 23, it talks about, he says that he'll lead me beside the still waters. There's, there's, a, there's just a wonderful scene a peaceful scene that comes to mind right away. And that's the way that I, that I see water for myself. It is, it is calming. It's, it's uh, refreshing. Um, and then, of course, there's also the thought about, you know, on a hot day, there's nothing that most of us enjoy more than a good cold drink of water. And I think that none of us probably have gotten to the desperate, um, desperate place where, excuse me, but uh, for a, um, a uh, young um, conservative, um, let me see, what's the other words that I can think of, non-resistant Amish boy, I, I've always taken a, an interest in World War II history. And a lot of you have probably read this book already. It's called Unbroken. I'm not sure. I haven't read it for a number of years, and so I don't know if I can recommend it. To, but it was a very interesting read to me. And it was the, the book was um, featuring a young man named Louis Zamperini, I believe was his name. And in 1943, he was, he was doing, he was flying a plane to um, drop bombs over Japan. And I'm not exactly sure, did he get bombed out of the sky or what had actually happened, but his, his plane malfunctioned. And he ended up in a kaplunked into the uh, Pacific Ocean. And there was, there was three guys that, or two other guys that survived with him. They were in a, they managed to get some life rafts out of the plane before, before it went down, but they didn't have 
any drinking water. They didn't have any food or very little food. For 33 days, they lived out on the ocean. And you know, it's like, well, they had plenty of water, right? Well, you would think so, but it's not drinking water. You can't drink the ocean water without having ill uh, effects. And so they, um, they had tarps. I have not read the book for so long. I should have done a little more research before I just kind of blasted into this story. But, but I, I just remember the desperation. You know, they can live without food. They did, they did catch some seagulls and they caught some fish and stuff to, to sustain themselves, but they didn't. The water, there was always that challenge. They always, they wanted water, water. And they, every time that it rained, they would put out um, something to catch the water because it was always a need. And um, there is a Psalms, uh, let me see, in Psalms 42.1, it says, and I'm going to just, I'm going to uh, go to it really quickly. And, and I'm going to be doing a bunch of scripture. And so if you guys want to write it down and then, then read it later, that, that is fine. Because there is so much on water in the scriptures that I just, I just found it really startling how many, how many scriptures that there was. As the heart panteth away uh, after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And that's, um, a lot of us maybe have not seen it, but a lot of us have also seen where, where a deer gets chased and they're, they're running at high speeds and they can run for, at high speeds for quite some time, but after, at some point, they get, they get hot, they get tired, they need, they need water. And, and I think that's the way that our soul should be after God. We should be like, God, we need you today. We need you for the rest of our lives. We, we, we need you. And, and we have that desperate life. If, I've made that comment at work already a number of times. If I don't, if I don't get water soon, I'm going to die. Um, but, you know, I don't even think that I have any idea of how it is to be that thirsty like Lewis was. But... Or, or like a deer that has been chased and is near exhaustion, um, he, he, needs, he needs water. And that's the way that my desire should be after God. <clears throat> then um, we can also, it, it's, it's really something the way that we can, we can practice the best tillage methods in our farming. We can use the best fertilizers. We can use the best... Um, genetics in our corn but without the blessings of God without that rain coming down from God we have no control of that whatsoever in 1st Corinthians Paul wrote to our yeah and uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians he said uh, I planted Apollos watered but God gives the increase and I think that's what we also have to understand that God God decides where it rains and where it doesn't rain man has Man has manipulated, like I said, man has tried manipulating things, trying to make the, the, um, the rain come down. He's, he's, we, we've done some extensive logging, um, like in the rainforest where the, the leaves take oxygen and then that, that makes water if you, um, and so the rainforest did get destroyed. You know, we have, we have straightened our waterways out. 
Um, we have poured a lot of concrete. And all of that stuff does, you know, there, it does create a lot more flooding. So maybe our water does get displaced. But, but in the end, God still decides where, the, where we get rain, where, it doesn't, where we don't get rain. Um, we, um, we like to be clean. So, like I mentioned before, we use 70 gallons of water per day. So we, we do laundry, we shower, we mop our floors. Um, but Isaiah 1, in verse 16 to 18, he says, Wash you, wash you and make me clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before your eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widows. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Picture of Christ's redeeming love. It is, it is so refreshing to, to read through Isaiah. I had, you know, growing up, I was never a big fan of prophecies. And, you know, reading through the Old Testament and the prophets just didn't do a whole lot for me. And now, as I get older, Isaiah especially, and Jeremiah, both of them have just so many rich readings and so much uh, prophecies of Christ. And, and we read about the same thing then later in, in John and some of the New Testament. So, the... Um, so we get this, this perfect picture of that Christ can make us clean. And that is, um, that is another thing we can think about is that, that water makes us clean. But Christ's love can make, us, can make our sins all go away. It, it's a well that never runs dry. Isaiah gave the invitation to God's people in the 55th, the 55th chapter in verse 1. He says, Ho, all ye that thirst, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. There's an endless supply of the cool, saving grace of Jesus Christ. And now I'm going to be uh, turning to John chapter 4, where the text is actually taken out of. And there's a couple of lessons that I'd like to, to um, talk about here in John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Um, and he must, well, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. And I think it says here that he must go through Samaria, and I think there was, there was another way that you wouldn't have had to go through Samaria, but, but Jesus if, if, you are, if you are a real good guy, if you were the real, real good guy, if you were the uppity class, um, you didn't go through Samaria because those were second class or maybe third or fourth or fifth class people. You know, they were definitely not of the Costa that, you would, that I would want to be hanging out with. And Jesus was making a point. He said he needed to go through Samaria. Why? Because he had things that he needed to do. And Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, uh, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus in the well, and it was 
about the sixth hour. And in their way of counting hours, it would have been right at noon. And it, it was interesting to me to see that Jesus got tired just like the rest of us did. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. That would have been an absolute no-no either. They, you shouldn't be talking to a woman, much less getting her to do things for you at the, at the well. For his disciples, especially a Samaritan woman, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. It was, it was okay to do it because no one else is there. I, I think that's what you could read out of there, but I don't think Jesus would have cared if, if somebody would have seen him. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews gave, have no dealings with the Samaritans. She knew, she knew that he shouldn't be dealing with them, and it wasn't that she had any problem with it whatsoever, but it's like, you know, you guys don't hang out with us. And then Jesus answered and saith unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who is it that saith to thee, Give me to drink? Thou wouldest ask him, and he would have given thee living waters. Do we know? Do we know who God is? Do we know his son? And are we asking him for living water? The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou living waters? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto him. Now that was kind of a low blow, you would think, because Jesus, knowing who he was, um, you know, and she says, are you greater than Jacob? Well, yeah. I mean, that wouldn't have sound, I mean, in our, in our humble way of thinking, it's like, well, that wouldn't sound very humble. Jesus answered and said, whoever drinketh of this water shall drink again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him the well of water springing up into everlasting life. And I think this woman was thinking to herself, or if she was thinking the way that I was thinking, it's like, yay, I hate this, going to the well every day. You know, never having to go to that well again, that would be great. Um, but, but later in the conversation, you see that there's, it was, she got it. She, she recognized that there was more depth to that than that. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And I'd, I'll stop reading there, um, and I'm going to go to Isaiah in, uh, in chapter 12. The, there's going to be four verses that I'm going to be reading. And in that day shalt thou say, uh, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold... God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the well of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known to all the earth. It's a wonderful, wonderful testimony, a wonderful prophecy that Isaiah had back in those days already. 
I've got to keep going. Um, I'm going to turn quickly to John 7. Um, in verse 37 and 8, I believe it is. Um, yes. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And, and there's two things that I want to point out here as well. There's, first of all, we know that this well will never run dry. It, there's always going to be, where that water came from, there's going to be more of that. And, and it's a promise that we don't have to worry about at all. You know, in today's world, we're living in a world where we're always worrying about, well, in Mexico City, there's about 30 or 60 days of water left. And if, if they don't get any rains pretty soon, it's, they're going to dry up and blow away or something's going to happen with them anyway. Um, and we have all these concerns about water. But in... in the plan of salvation, the, the, the love that Jesus has for each one of us, we never ever have to worry about that that well is going to run dry. It's here for me, it's here for you. But the second point that I want to bring out, if, if we actually experience that well of living water, it's going to issue out from us. That well is going to run out to the rest of you and it's going to be just like a well-watered garden, Isaiah says. Um, but if we don't, you know, last summer, uh, in Jude 12, it says that we're, we're, we're like clouds without water. And um, if we don't, last summer, we were, we were standing there, and it, it was dry. And we weren't getting any rain. And, you know, every, every once in a while, it didn't happen very often, but we'd have a cloudy day, and it's like, are, are those clouds going to have any water? And, and, you know, it was so disappointing when, when that day went by, that night went by, the next morning you got up and it was still just as dry as it was the day before. And it was so disappointing. And I think that's the way that it is in our Christian living today. There's so many people out there that they say that they've got Christ in their life. They're like clouds up there, but there's no fruits coming out of it. There's no moisture. There's no rain. There's no joy coming out of their lives. And I think that's the problem that we face today um, in our lives as well. So let's be clouds that give... Um, that give rain. <clears throat> and then I'm going to end up with an Isaiah 58, going back to the good old Isaiah again. Um, and chapter 58, and if I can find it, 11 and 12. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in draught. And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. The picture of a garden is a beautiful thing. I, I, I like that. A well-watered garden, there's, there's so many beautiful things about that. But the, the, the last part of it is something that I'd like to, you all to think about. Note the way that I gave, it, I, gave this, um, I gave this command to all of you. 
That's what I want all of us to think about. Are we the the repair of the breach in the wall? Are, you know, in Moses' times, there was so many people that had to be over and over again. There was, the children of Israel fell into sin again. And then they had to be brought, a revival had to come. And so they had to repair the breach in the wall. And I think we're living in those days today as well. Jesus' uh, water, his well, is, 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 is never, will never run dry. Open the wells of grace and salvation. But we have also, we've got to make a conscious effort, a conscious, um, we've got to be mindful about actually applying ourselves to repairing the breach in the wall as well. And that would be my encouragement that we can be clouds that drop refreshing rains. May the Lord bless you.